Hi everyone, it's Mark Dent with Law Trades, and welcome to this week's edition of 10 Minute Legal News. As always, we're going to talk about three stories, and um, starting with uh, streaming companies who are starting to starting to see some legal issues overseas. Uh, then we'll move on to how states are actually starting to take the lead in internet legal reform rather than Congress. And then finally, uh, we'll talk just a little bit uh, about a, uh, a good positive story of uh, leadership roles have been increasing for black women at uh, law schools here in the U.S. Uh, but let's tackle this streaming story first. Um, so obviously here uh, in the U.S., uh, we've enjoyed uh, Netflix, Amazon, Apple, HBO Max, everything else um, for a pretty long time. But those companies are still only starting to really move into foreign markets. Uh, you know, HBO Max, for instance, is moving into Latin America and Europe later this year. Uh, Netflix has been doing a push there for a long time. Amazon has you know, done something like doubled its content spend uh, in, in foreign markets over the last couple of years. Um, so, but it, it's not quite as simple as just, you know, going there and, and moving your your business because uh, the EU especially actually has some really interesting laws that affect these uh, these tech and, and streaming companies. Uh, to begin with, uh, the European Union requires that 30% of all programs on streaming platforms be uh, sort of local European content. Um, they also, um, here, here in the US, the, the streamers give almost no data uh, about their user base or who watches shows uh, or anything like that, but Europe is going to force them to do uh, quite a bit of that. And the reason isn't just uh, to like uh, have have this data. It, it's because, um, for instance, in like countries like Germany, they use the data to see what the best shows are, and then they are able to incentivize, uh, or, or not really incentivize even. They, they can force the streaming network uh, through unions and, and laws relating to those to pay the workers on the most popular shows uh, raises. They can require raises and like these higher salaries uh, and everything like that. And what it all comes down to is, is that you have, um, you know, just as has happened over the last few years, uh, legacy networks and legacy television has gotten less and less, uh, you know, popular uh, because of these, you know, streaming services. So they're coming over to Europe now, and and everyone is afraid that um, the the kind of European, um, you know, television culture is going to be kind of supplanted by, um, you know, Netflix, Amazon, and whatever else. So by introducing these laws uh, that that more or less require them to at least guarantee many of these shows will be, uh, you know, local, uh, they're able to kind of sort of save these, you know, actors and directors who have, have been working for a long time. Uh, but to, to kind of, you know, top this off, um, you know, it, it just amounts to uh, just sort of like this big picture of, of EU uh, really tamping down on American tech companies. Uh, this is in a, you know, a much less serious way than what we hear of the Facebooks and the Apples of the world. But nevertheless, it's it's fairly similar, where you just see American tech companies facing ever more regulations uh, in Europe, uh, in no small part just because they are American, and um, you know Europe wants to kind of save what it has and and sort of cash in on on what it has for that matter as well. Um, all right, so let's move on to the second story, which um, is about uh, the U.S. and the states in particular. 
uh, where, you know, we've been talking a lot uh, in the newsletter about Section 230 over the last year or so. And just to uh, always kind of introduce what that law is once again, um, you know, that's the uh, it's been around for about 25 years and it gives Internet companies basically very wide protection and immunity uh, from lawsuits based on whatever like a, a user, um, you know, uploads onto a website or a, a platform or whatever else. Uh, and, and, you know, there's been a lot of hype that that's going to change, but Congress has, has kind of stalled on that. Uh, there's, there's really not been a lot of, it's been early on in the Biden administration, of course, and in this new session of Congress, but there's not been a ton going on with it. Uh, and then even in terms of like antitrust, yeah, there's been a lot of hearings scheduled, uh, but that's a very slow process and will continue to be a slow process. So states are really, um, they're really going at it themselves and trying to regulate the uh, the big um, major tech companies right now. Um, uh, according to the New York Times, 100 plus tech regulation bills have been introduced this year at state legislatures. Um, 27 of those bills uh, regard privacy. And uh, in 2018, there were only two bills filed that were regarding Internet privacy. So that, that just kind of goes to show like the extreme growth we've seen this year in uh, state legislatures starting to uh, get a little bit more serious about the internet um, and, in, and in terms of uh, laws anyway. And uh, other ones besides privacy, uh, some are related to competitive issues, others related to free speech. Um, Tom Wheeler, who was the former chair of the FCC, told the New York Times that uh, what this is, is, quote, the failure of policymakers at the national level to act has invited both state and foreign regulators to act, end quote, uh, like we were just talking about the foreign regulators um, in, in that previous story. But what, what's happening because of these different sort of state um, legislatures, and, and to be clear, only a few of those 100 plus bills have passed, uh, perhaps a, I think maybe three or four even, uh, but it, it still makes life kind of complicated for the tech companies uh, because when those bills pass, they have to act differently in that state than anywhere else. And obviously we think of the internet as a global thing, certainly as a national thing and, and even as a global thing. And so uh, Virginians, for instance, can now request that Google and Facebook not sell their personal data. Uh, and so that's a go another step that, uh, you know, Google and Facebook and, and some similar companies have to deal with in just this very small area of Virginia. So that's not, that's not a fun thing uh, and, and certainly could be a little bit difficult for uh, the uh, legal departments in those companies. And on, on and uh, the, the tech companies themselves are trying uh, one strategy to you know, stop these changes aside from, you know, a lot of lobbying. Uh, they are uh, just kind of going on the offensive and saying that if states start doing their own thing, it's not going to be fun for users either. Uh, they think it's going to make it complicated. Um, Apple and Facebook have have both been very public about this and are, are really trying to kind of uh, champion uh, their own causes by saying what's good for us is, you know, good for the consumers as well. So uh, that's going to continue to uh, probably uh, as the federal government, you know, continues to be a little bit slow on this. I, I think it's going to uh, we're going to see a lot more of this uh, happening in the coming months and years. But let's move on uh, very quickly now to our last story, uh, which, as I had mentioned, is about how at uh, law schools, um, according to law.com, we're starting to see a pretty sizable increase uh, in leadership roles for black women. And this kind of uh, is an important story that 
goes along with a lot of our other coverage of uh, just kind of diversity within the legal profession. Uh, and and there's, you know, since uh, everything happened last year with George Floyd and, and a lot more attention, uh, fortunately, being paid to all this, um, the, the statistics that have come back have, have generally not been that good for the legal profession, where we see, uh, you know, the, this share of, of non-white attorneys growing, but still not quite as large as people would want. Uh, that's still somewhat the case here, but um, about 14% of overall leadership roles at ABA accredited schools are black women deans. And, you know, while that number, you know, could certainly be higher and people would like it to be higher, it, it is higher than the number of uh, faculty numbers for black, for black women at ABA accredited schools. Uh, so the leadership ranks are starting to increase at, at a higher uh, degree than even the faculty numbers. Uh, however, there are still no black women deans in the top 14 law schools and only four among the top 50. Um, and, and so why the recent increase? Uh, Law.com talked to several uh, of, uh, deans, and uh, they said that there's been a lot more uh, just attention paid to it over the last few years, and then just sort of the natural growth of, of when you see one or two people get these positions, uh, then, then more and more people uh, can, uh, it just sort of spreads in, in this way. And Camille Nelson, who's the dean of Suffolk Law, said, uh, all these Black women law deans have demonstrated a commitment to values that are crucial to the academic enterprise and societal justice and the norms we are holding more dear. It's the moment for this now. Um, so hopefully we're going to continue to see those numbers uh, increase. Um, but uh, that is it for this week's edition of 10 Minute Legal News. I uh, thank everyone for listening in and uh, we'll talk again next week. Yes, for sure. Thanks, guys.